Bootstrapped Web. We're back after a break. I'm back in the States. And uh, yeah, just trying to get back to normal here. Jordan, how's it going, buddy? Good, good. You went very far away. It's good (laughs) to have you back. Yes. Yeah, we, my family and I, we were uh, really uh, away for two full weeks. Uh, We spent a week in the Philippines, in Cebu, hung out with uh, my wife's side of the family over there for a week. And then... um, and then we jumped over to another island in the Philippines called Boracay, which was a really incredible uh, beach destination in the Philippines. Really one of the best beaches I've, I've ever hung out on. Um, we saw some pics of that on Twitter, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I shared more on Facebook. At least uh, one. With the family okay. and stuff. Yeah. Um, not, you're not exclusively on threads yet? I am on threads, but, uh, but yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole interesting thing. Um, yeah, but then, and then after that, we jumped over to Cambodia. We saw Angkor Wat, which was a pretty incredible site and like ancient, uh, ruins, ancient, um, temples and things like that. Uh, we got, we got stuck in Ho Chi Minh city in Vietnam for an unexpected one nighter there. So that was an adventure and, uh, yeah, dragged the kids the whole way, but really overall it was, it was a fantastic trip. Really one of the best, uh, vacations that, that we've done. Um, and and it was like multiple segments, right? It was like family in Cebu, then like a beach thing, then then sightseeing, uh, a ton of flights. Uh, but I mean, the kids were were troopers, and um, and it, it you know, and I know we're going to talk about this, but like I I did work actually quite a bit throughout the whole trip, um, and, but we still had a great vacation too. I still had a lot of relaxation, a lot of adventure, a lot of a lot of family time, but. It was, I won't say it was like normal, like certainly not the, the same number of hours that I would normally work here at home, but definitely every day, like I got some work in every day that I was aware, like at least one or two hours, um, you just saw spra- the, like saw sporadically different, different hours of the day, different locations. Um, and, and, you know, it was a massive time difference with, with a lot of jet lag. So that, that also made for a lot of sleepless nights, which, which meant like, well, three in the morning, can't sleep. What else am I going to do? I might as well open the laptop. Um, so there's a lot of that too. Interesting. We are, uh, we're about to start our travel. So we, we go, we go to the Eastern long Island tomorrow for a week oh. and we come home for a week and then we go to Michigan for two weeks. So similar kind I, of I like really, segments. I miss Eastern Long Island. Um, you know, growing up in Long Island, I, I used to go out there, you know, with friends and stuff when I was younger. And and now it's just like, I don't know how you guys booked it, but it's like impossible to book anything out there now that unless it, you do it like way in advance. Yeah, my my younger brother and his wife get a house out there every summer. Oh, nice. So so we just kind of hop into their life for a week. Yeah. Right. So the whole family gets together, my parents, the whole deal. So it's like a, it's like an annual family get together. That's great. Uh, the house is big enough for everyone to just like jump into the house and, and stay there for a week. So all the cousins get together. Beautiful. Um, and then Michigan is a bit more of like tourism hangout, you know, not, uh, less family. So I have been wrestling this week with like these swings of motivation. I don't know how anyone else like listening it's July. It's right in the middle. And I go back and forth between, I don't want to do anything. It's summertime. I want to go take a walk all the way to, you know, full days, super exciting, big sales call pressure. 
and and then back into the other swing. So I'm like a little, I feel a little yo-yoed out. Yeah, yeah. Do you, yep. do you feel like the motivation on the business still, or is it like, um, yeah, does some does summertime? Do you do you find that like summertime like this like actually? Because I know that you and I are both super motivated about our businesses always, right? And I yeah, I know yeah. that historically I, I and this was true even during the trip just now like I'm just constantly motivated to keep pushing things forward in the business and it I feel uncomfortable when I have a full day go by that I didn't do anything on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but does the summer like ease that up for you at all? Like do you feel more comfortable not working? I I want to feel like that, but when I think about the context of where the company is, the summer is actually incredibly important because when we get toward Q4, our, our customers are going to check out. Right. 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 They, they basically, like, they'll have, com- yeah, they'll have conversations, but w- w- especially now with the focus on much larger merchants, they're just going to be much more risk averse in Q4. So it's really like we got to get deals done between now and like September, October at the latest. Mm-hmm. And then it and then it turns into just conversations and then making sure that we get into the budgeting conversations that happen in February. Right. Right. So as much as I want to check out a little bit and ease up, it doesn't make sense to. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the yo-yo of my natural tendency you know, the kids are home. They're not uh, at school every day. So the schedules are different. I, I, I'm pulled toward hangout time, family, less intense on work. But mentally, I'm the analysis is, oh, no, that, yeah. that, that's not the case at all. Now is the actual time to get things done, get people on the calendar. Our sales cycle is starting to look like it's 60-ish days. Mm-hmm. And so I just work backwards. And if it's July right now, we we're starting to get pretty close to when customers are going to say, "All right, this is cool, but we'll we'll have this conversation uh, in Q1." Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and especially now that I'm home, and I'm and I'm going to be home for a while. Like I have no other major trips planned until until the fall. Um, and and so like now is the time to push. And and July especially July into August, I really. I keep saying this, but I see this as a turning point because we're going to really like finish shipping the the roadmap for Clarity Flow, and we're always going to have more things to build after. Right, but like the the list of like key big tentpole features are mm-hmm. dro- they've already started to drop. And I mean, the first one, or, or not the first one, but one of them, a big one, mobile big. apps for for iPhone and I and Android are out now. They they just launched this week. Um, Custom domains had launched actually while I was away. Um, we're also about to launch community spaces. We've got programs, and then following on to that, we've got payments coming. So like like big a, a whole string of of shipping features. I, I wanted to before we get into all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to um, ask about the mobile apps. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, I don't know. I guess sort of like uh, realization, like like deep thought, sort of idea while I was away mm-hmm. about the nature of our work. You know, this is like an ongoing conversation that we have, and I know that our industry has about like calm work, work lifestyle businesses, um, work life balance, mm-hmm. and 
you know, I think that there is, a, I'm mostly just speaking for myself here, obviously, but like okay. there's this tendency to, to feel like um, guilty about going on vacation and still breaking open the, the laptop and, and getting those hours in and, and, you know, doing the, the time shifting between hanging out with my kids and then opening the laptop and doing some work. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I, and I do go through periods where I really do actually, one of my goals is to fully disconnect. But in this case, it was like, I, I, again, I still had a lot of time, like downtime, can't sleep in the middle of the night time. I'm on a flight time or like, these are windows where I could do some work, but also like just the nature of work itself is it's not like, like it's hard mentally, of course. And it takes a lot of creative energy but it's not physically demanding work. It's still pretty no. relaxed. And you're, you're sitting in a nice, safe environment on the internet. Yes. Yeah, and, speaking. And, and, and I guess in my case, like right now, it's not very phone call driven. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's going to change now that I'm home doing a lot more demo calls and things okay. like that. But um, for the most part, my work is working on the product, uh, which means I'm in deep work state, in code, in design. I'm just on the laptop working quietly with my headphones on. Um, And if I'm communicating with my team, it's mostly texting or async messaging using Clarity Flow. Mm -hmm. But like there were were times during this trip where I was literally on a recliner chair on in, in like our resort area near, near this beautiful beach with my laptop open, yeah, like uh, get, getting work done. And it was like, the best version of work. it was, it was fucking awesome. Like, you know, like it, it felt, it's it, lucky, felt lucky it, it literally felt like I was relaxing and I was being productive at the same time. I know that probably sounds ridiculous to, to a lot of people listening, but like, but to me, no. I was like, man, I feel pretty lucky right now. Cause I love what I'm working on right now. I love the, the craft of making software. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on a beautiful beach the rest of the day I'm hanging out with my kids. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really get better than this. And it's like, and it's like, man, we are lucky to have this type of work, you know? Cause like even, um, you know, cause there are just so many people who the nature of their professional career is physically demanding. Like you're going into an office, you're commuting or you're on sales calls nonstop. Yeah. Or uh, you're, or you're team, building or team calls nonstop. And, and it's yeah, like, or carrying things or, yeah, or, phys- or physically yeah, like it goes yeah. the whole way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it was just sort of a, it's, it's good to have that, you know? the, the, the perspective shift of going away and, and exploring these thoughts that you don't normally go into when you're in your regular routine. Now I, I will say I, I, as you started talking, the way you described the guilt Right. You you said there's something in our community and it makes me feel guilty for working while I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. So, y- you know, it is a, a product of your environment, your peer group, your people, the people and things you compare yourself to, because in my world, it is the exact opposite. So, in well, the things around me tells me that I should feel guilty if I'm not working while yeah. I'm away. And, you know, I, I saw someone that I respect and is very experienced and smart in the venture world say there's, unfortunately, there's a direct correlation between the number of days your CEO takes off per year 
and the success of right and so like that is that that's the narrative out there and so i i always feel guilty for not working enough and i have a relatively um healthy balance on like i i take time off i i ran an errand this morning at 9 30 i'm not feeling guilty about that i am feeling lucky that i get to make my own schedule yeah but but there's a lot of pressure so you're feeling it in one direction i'm feeling another it it is it is an external stimulus that makes you feel a certain way and it is really challenging to figure out your own path and what it means for you yeah yeah and and i i mean there's also a side of my my business and work life right now that is frankly not ideal um uh and i hope it it improves over the next year or or so um and that Mm -hmm. like i am still very much the bottleneck in my business and i have a small team and and they do amazing work especially while i was traveling we we still managed to ship like two major features um but this is not like it was with audience ops for me right now like if i take a day off or a week off like a lot of stuff just stalls mm-hmm. and like literally like progress on the features that we're building. Like the, um, my inbox is, is crazy every single morning with questions from my team, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's actually the, the pressure that I feel literally on a every morning basis is like, I have a full inbox of four to four or five different team members each have questions for me. I need to unblock them. And, mm-hmm. and if I don't, um, they're either going to slow down or they can't complete their task. Right. Um, and, and that's, it, it's just on me to, to keep the, keep, keep the, the, the pipes flowing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like you're, like, it's, it's weird. Like I, I feel like that was a strength of mine in my previous businesses and audience ops. I literally touched to that business like two hours a month and it ran without right. Different, different Um, thing. This is like, I'm way in it and it's, and I don't see a way out anytime soon. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love working in on this business. So I, but like, I, I I do hope that like, right. It's not forever. Like that can't, yeah. The, the push on this current roadmap, I I feel like six, 12 months from now should look very, very different Mm -hmm. with things calmer, uh, probably different team structure. And I am, a little bit more uh, relaxed, but right now it's like because yeah. it's it's also like a financial thing. It's like I'm paying the, the, my team to to be productive, <laughs> and 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 I and and like that expense depends on me working with them to keep the the productivity mm-hmm. going. You know, it's it's very interesting the the differences because my pressure feels like it's maybe like a almost like a heavier weight that goes slower. It's a yeah. more slow drive down type of a pressure because it's like, okay, if you have two to three years of runway, I don't do anything on the product and engineering side. And relatively speaking, in all the work that gets done in the company, I'm a fraction, a small fraction of the work that gets done. But the financial pressure to make sure things maintain a certain way we you know don't need to do layoffs or just all that pressure it's like a longer time frame so it's not like hey this morning yeah. y- you gotta you gotta sprint right now but it's like this grinding thing that's like you have to be patient but it takes a long time and there's pressure 
So that's I, I have tried over the last six months or so to get into a healthy place where I'm making my own analysis of what we need to do and not letting the external pressure because there's there's no right way to do this. Yeah. So some people are going toward how do we just go all out and just get the growth we need so we can raise more money. Other people are going toward profitability. It's like impossible. You can't just follow someone else's lead on this. We we have to make it do it in a way that works for us. And so the, figuring that out has been a big challenge. The the yeah. patience required is feels a bit excruciating. The patience is unbelievable. Man. It's, it's yeah, like, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. the hard the hardest part to just maintain. You, you're going to go up and down. You're going to have the pessimistic, optimistic roller coaster, but you got to get back up to the optimism and have that be the default and have that be be the eighty and and the pessimism be the twenty, not the other way around. Man, it is. I mean, you you know just as well as I. That is so hard. It, it it doesn't get easier. We we've done this a while. It that doesn't get. It probably gets harder. No, it, you, you keeping need, like, keeping a level he- head like yeah through the the daily the daily gut punches that you get when when a churn comes comes in or when yes. like when you know when the, when you get one comment from a customer, but then you get a, a win. You know, and it's just like it's sort of insane to deal with. Yeah. Um and it yeah. and you know it's also because I know that you've been going through this shift in strategy to to the sales driven you know mid market yeah. approach um i've had this long roadmap the the shift to clarity flow coaches like that's not something that you can just sort of experiment with one month in, in one month and then call that experiment over within four weeks like this has been a year in the making um and and i'm deep into it i, I can't just shift strategies on a dime here so mm-hmm. it's like it's still a rocky road while while this process is going on, um, the signs still point to like, I'm making the right strategic decisions here, but like strategic decisions are one thing. It still takes a year to execute this stuff, you know? Yeah. And you Um, need feedback. You need, you need these little nuggets that feed the optimism along the way. Like the, the, the stuff on the pessimistic side just happens all the time. Someone leaves to go get a different job. A customer churns. Right this morning, I did that stupid thing where I woke up and grabbed my phone first thing instead of my Kindle. And first email I read is, you know, we're trying to like get into this organization that like would help us go to market. And we got the client. It's like, no, you know, uh, maybe in six months from now. There's just, those things are just everywhere. (laughs) So the the positive nuggets uh, is, I felt, just as much relief from the self-imposed pressure when we closed like the last big deal, we we closed another big one. Awesome. I felt just as good about the fact that the team got motivated by it and saw it as I, as I did or the revenue or anything else, because they needed the nugget of optimism too. They needed like, Ooh, we are on the right track. This shift actually does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's hard to even think about what everyone else's concerns. That's like that's like too much. <laughs> Just yeah, trying to ma- yeah, maintain sure. my own. So let's let's go back around. You yeah. are in a different game all of a sudden with with a. Mo- you, have you ever done a native app before? No, never. This was the first time. Okay. To- total learning experience. Um, yeah. So like as of now, um, Clarity Flow. Like you could search Clarity Flow on the Apple and Google Play app stores. Our app is there. Um, Overall. And, uh, 
was it easier or harder than you expected? You know, it, well, okay. So before I even like pulled the trigger on like, yes, we're going to do a mobile app. I definitely built it up in my mind. Like, oh, that's a huge investment, time, money, right? complexity. That's why, that's why I kept pushing it off for over two years. Like that, you know, yeah, there you go. I'm holding my phone in the app store. Yeah, you found it. There you go. Um, and, and so I pushed it off for a long time because I built it up to be as big of a project. And then once I pulled the trigger and I scoped it out with my development team and and I hired a a mobile developer to work full-time on this, it ended up being like start to finish from the time I pulled the trigger to today. And like it, they entered the app stores yesterday. So, um, I think it's about 10 weeks maybe nine or 10 weeks total. Um, so that was one new full-time mobile developer on that for about 10 weeks. And now he's going to ramp down to just sort of a maintenance level hours. Mm-hmm. Um, plus one of my Rails devs worked on the APIs for mobile. So there's like basically like two of them plus myself working on the design and, and working with them on, on, on the whole thing. Um, and it was a basically two and a half month project. Um, I could I can get into the, some of the weeds on like how I scoped it out to make sure that we didn't go overboard on the scope because it's easy to do that. But I I focused on basically the two key because the thing is Clarity Flow worked basically fine in the mobile web browser before this. It still it still does. You could you, you can it, it's been mobile responsive since day one. Okay. But, so, so, you know, it took me a while because we constantly got requests for a native mobile app and those requests started to amplify even more now that we're focused on coaches and clients. So that's why I did pull the trigger. And I, and I really wanted to understand like, why do customers truly want, what's the underlying mm-hmm. need for a native mobile app? Like when they could just use, use it on mobile anyway, on the web browser. The key things are number one, the recorder, obviously like, um, recording a message on the mobile web browser definitely was slower, like slower to finish and upload. Um, you can run into issues and, and also like we're browser based, so we couldn't use all the same browser tech that we're able to do on desktop on mobile. So like just yep. like the clunkiness and the slowness of recording on mobile kind of sucked uh, on the browser. Number two related to recording is, is audio only like microphone only. Uh, recordings was even harder to do in the mobile browser. Like you had to record a voice memo and then upload it. It was sort of a mess. Okay. So, and that's because you just don't have access to the device in, in the same way? It's a little bit weird, but like when you're on a mobile device, it it's sort of easy to record a camera message, but it's not super easy to just record a microphone only message okay. when, you're in a, when you're in a browser environment. Okay. By going to the, so that was like, Goal or objective number one with like, if, if we're going to build a mobile app, we have to build a custom, amazing, like way improved recording experience. And that, that was what we did. So like, so now like you can record and we upload in the background while you're recording. So it's much faster to, and we're leveraging your, your on device camera and recording capabilities. And we give you a, a voice recorder too. So you can do voice only messages all built into the mobile app. It, it's really works amazingly well. Um, you could edit your recordings all there in the app, um, text as well. So that, that was piece number one was like 
much like it has to be a way better recording experience like and, and we did that and the other thing was mobile push notifications that's that's the other thing that our new app delivers before this the only notifications that we were sending were were email notifications and and in our app we give you like you know a little pull down men, menu of, of events but now with the app you can get sms or uh, no you can get push notifications to to your mobile device um like when someone has sent a reply, when someone has watched your your message, like that that goes to mobile push, and you can control those settings. So th- those were like the two areas. That, like those are the only two things we wanted to build. It was like focus a lot on the recorder, add in push notifications, everything else in the app. When you're in it, it looks and feels oh, like like our web app because we are serving our web app in in web views. So like, okay. uh, and we have a lot of other features like in in our app. We've got your your message templates library, we've got automation workflows, onboarding clients, like all that stuff is functionality in our app that is fully available and usable on mobile, just as it it has always been. But we didn't have to build anything special for the mobile app in order for those features to to work. You have access to all of our features in the mobile app, except most of them, you're just using our, our web app inside our mobile app. But when right. you click, but when you click the button to start a new message, that's when the new mobile experience takes over, and now you're seeing okay. like our our better recording. And, and when one of your customers signs up, they're also asking their coaching clients to download the app. Yes, okay. that, so, that's so what two, will be the two yeah. points so, if you want it. So our customers and their clients can both use the the same app, and it gets them in. Um, one what, interesting, what, what do you call those? What's your nomenclature? Is it like user customer? Like we have merchant shopper. Uh, so like technically we call them respondent users, but okay. uh, more and more, I, I just call them like clients or, or guests. Um, okay. yeah. And, and that, and the, the, diff, the other type of user would be team members, right? So if you're a, if you're a company, or if you have multiple coaches on your team, you invite them as team members and you actually pay for them in, in our plans. But the clients and the guests, which are the same thing, those are free, unlimited. Like, yeah, that's been cool. a really diff- difficult part about of this business for sure. Yes. Um, yes. The language, the, um, an interesting thing about the mobile apps. Um, okay. So we have, our apps are free in both app stores. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to be free forever, like free. Like we're we're not making money in the app store. Yeah, um, this is just about checking a, a big feature box for us. We are not sharing any revenue with Apple or Google, mm-hmm. and the way that we do that is we disable and hide all references to signing up, to paying, to upgrading, to managing your billing, all that stuff. We had to hide. Or, or just say like this view is not available in the mobile app. Go, go to desktop if, if you want. You don't like the idea of sharing thirty percent of your revenue. Ah, not into it. You know, yeah. the fact that it's actually thirty percent is so wild. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so yeah. wild. I, I yeah. don't see. I don't know how they've kept up with that. <laughs> and I and so um and like I'm again like I'm new to this whole routine. So I um. I wanted to look at other apps to see how they handle it. Like uh, the one that I kept looking at is Help Scout, you know, because like we're basically just a SaaS app and we want to offer a mobile app client to our SaaS app users, right? So like Help Scout, I pay for Help Scout through their 
SaaS, and then I also have the Help Scout mobile app. I, you know, I pay for Notion, and I have the Notion mobile app. I don't pay for those through Apple's App Store. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. we we did a lot of like observing of what these other companies do, and and we can see like, okay, they're just not showing me anything about signing up or upgrading when I'm in the mobile app. It's just a client, you know. Um, so that was that was interesting. It took a little bit of work to to work that out. Um, on the approval process, the, so this happened over the past week. We submitted it to Apple and Google. Um, we submitted on Monday of this week, so like five days ago, and we got approved yesterday. Uh, okay, so no, no major bottleneck there. Apple was the one. Google uh, approved us on the first try. It, it just took like four or five days to get it approved. Apple did reject us the first time, and the rejection was because we are a messaging or communications app. They look at us almost like a social networking app and we have user generated content. And that brings a a bunch of extra um, precautions that Apple wants us to go through. Um, And so we actually had to build some, uh, uh, so this was again, one of those cases where like, okay, they give us the rejection and I get super nervous because sort of the way that they worded the rejection seemed like they wanted us to build a whole lot of new systems in our app. So they, they you know, user-generated content. So they're worried about ob- objectionable content. Yeah, spam. Um, and so. spam, spam, but also the, the ability for users to block other users, the ability for users to hide or report inappropriate content, like, they didn't see any of those features in our app because frankly, mm-hmm. we didn't have them because we right. we've never we've never had that problem. We've never had users like we don't we don't do any like moderation of stuff because frankly, the way that our users use our app is like private messaging right. between among their own and clients group, and stuff. Um so that got me nervous at first when, when it came in. I was like, oh shit, they they want us to build a whole moderation system and reporting right. system. Be prepared for like a public version of, of an app. Yeah, um, we managed to resolve that within about two business days of of work. And the way that we got around it was, so they, they wanted us to make sure that every user is agreeing to our privacy privacy terms and the fact that we will remove uh, you know objectionable content within 24 mm-hmm. hours. So we do have users go through a checkbox, agree to our terms on their way into the mobile app for the first time. We had to we had to like tweak the the flow that a mm-hmm. user sees. So so you got to check this box. Okay, we that's that was fine. And then the other thing was I added a link on every message to to report this content. Okay, and, and all that does is it launches our Help Scout contact form. Right, uh, but at least there's an avenue for it. Yeah, there's an avenue, and we and we have to show the user like we will take action on this within 24 hours. And that that was the way around, and that that was accepted. Like they, yeah, they okay. saw those updates and they were like, that's good enough. And I, I was sort of prepared for like, okay, this might not be good enough for them, but let's just see if, if we can like MVP this thing, just link to our contact form, report bad content and maybe that'll be enough. And, and I'm sure it was, it, it, it was, you know, so. Okay. Go. So that, far so good. You're, nervous, but yeah. your, your, your relationship with Apple and Android has officially begun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. 
Um, and I mean, as I record this, they're they're in the app store, but we haven't announced it publicly. We will on Monday. It'll be out by the time this comes out. So it'll be really interesting to see. obviously everything is like we we've done a ton of testing on this stuff, but nothing's really tested until you put it in, in the hands of of customers. So that'll be really interesting next week. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you got to report back on adoption if that is what you expected, and then market marketing worthiness, right? Is it is it moving the needle when you email people back and say, hey, we have it now? And so Yeah. So I, I worked on yesterday and today, I worked on a whole like promo video. I recorded like a one minute um, video of the thing and, and I put some extra work into that. I, I think it came out pretty good. Um, and next week I'll be blasting out the emails, social posts. Uh, we're going to put it into our like new account onboarding flows, like really make it a centerpiece of like, this is a, because it, we get the question all the time, like, oh, you guys don't have a mobile app? Like it's mm-hmm. in, in, in our space and our competitors, like it's a, it's table stakes and we're one of the only ones that doesn't have a mobile app. So, so now it's, and we've got it linked on our footer on the site now. Right now you need to make sure yeah. everyone knows. That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, life at rally is dominated by this shift in ideal customer profile and sales process. So up and down the whole team from SDR reaching out to people all the way to engineering and QA, it is dominated by the shift. So it means something a little bit different for everyone. Right now, the engineering and the product teams are doing a lot of work to unblock newly signed customers and get them launched. Mm -hmm. So we recently launched that big contract that I talked about. Um... So we right, we went through the sales process, signed the contract, and then worked to get them live. And that was obviously very kind of high stakes and high stress because we want to we want to impress. We want them, we want things to go well. Uh, so that was a lot of pressure and felt great to launch. Well, I think it was earlier this week. Um, and it was about a week ago because now this is what I mean by the feedback. Everyone in the company now sees the daily GMV number. Mm. It, like it basically doubled it, o- overnight from one big merchant. Nice. Um, What's the feedback so, on the product? You're you getting like it's it's working pretty smooth for them. The product is working smoothly, and what I'm paying a lot of attention to is a lot of the feedback on how it is to work with the team, because that feels like it's going to be an important element of our success overall. So I mean, your our, your team working with their team. Yes, yes, and how that's going, and we're we're being really attentive right now, um, myself and Rock and Jess, at just watching and trying to learn, because well, right now we're 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 in the midst of onboarding, but if you took the number of merchants that were onboarding and you increased it, let, let's just say you doubled it, it would feel out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's because we don't have all the systems in place to handle this level of service when we onboard. So, right, the, the whole shift uh, impacts like everyone. And we're, we're trying to figure out where everyone should live. And, and now it's becoming obvious that the next gap, the next piece of the puzzle is an enterprise account executive, basically a, a professional salesperson. Uh, I have started to do the first call on sales. So I'm, I'm playing that role right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a lot of fun and I've gotten, you know, it's like, a have gotten better at the first call. Mm-hmm. So the initial call with the discovery and showing the product and initial 
like how, conversation. How the, can you can can you recap like how how are those leads like getting teed up for you? Where where does the lead come from? Like they they were like prospected and they've already responded and now they're ready for a call, right? Like and then they come to you. Yes. So typical would be uh, our SDR sends an email and a LinkedIn message to a merchant and they respond with some interest and he shows them a little bit more like basically here's your existing checkout. Here's what your checkout would look like using Rally and here are some key features. Maybe they come back. And that SDR is doing it all over email right now. Uh, It's email, it's phone and it's LinkedIn. It is multi-touch, multi-platform. So the Sometimes SBR is doing a, a bit of a first call before they get to you. It, it can be a bit of, it can be a call. It can be text messages. It's, it's like what, however this person likes to communicate, you, you move around to get to that right spot. So you might email someone and then connect with them on LinkedIn and it turns out they don't reply to email, but they will reply to your LinkedIn message and that's the right channel. And I'll so never we understand those people, but I know that they exist. You know, I saw a tw- I saw a tweet today, basically hating on this process. Yeah, like, hey, I want to use your software. Cool, let's get on a call. I just want to know how much it is. Okay, let's do a call at the end of the first call. Is now okay? Now can I know you, you can hate is? on it all you want, but this is how you can hate on it all you want. <laughs> right now, the, right. The reason it exists is not just because the software company wants to charge more money. It's also it's probably more than anything. That's just the way people buy. This is how people buy. It is multi-step. It is not their money. Their job and reputation is at stake. They might have made a recommendation last quarter that didn't work out. Like they are careful with this. This is their livelihood. It's not their business. It's their livelihood. Right. So that I, process. Already, it's different. really it's really been interesting to see the shift in clarity flow. Um, because I'm seeing a lot of that too, where it's like. Definitely, a, I wouldn't say every customer, but like there's a definitely a, a significant segment of our users who, who hit our marketing site who just want to call um, or they want to send multiple long emails. Like, and they're serious, like, like they're, they're sussing out like mm-hmm. all the features and exactly how they're going to implement it. And like, I get this, this wording a lot where they'll be like, I have a bunch of questions before I dive deeper into this. Because um, yes. I can yes. see from the outset, like this is going to be a big investment for me um, in terms of like time and taking over running my a key part of my business. Like, and that was by design for me, like to move to Clarity Flow. Like, that's a big difference from from what it was with Zip Message. It was like people just wanted to like try this messaging app and then try it or love it or leave it. Uh, and Clarity Flow, like there, it's a much slower thing. And I'm mm-hmm. bigger know, decision. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more critical to the business, the, the whole deal. So we we are experiencing the same thing. So that work that, yes, I am actually interested in a better checkout experience, but can you work with this? And can I process with AdYen? And will you integrate with this? And maybe I've had a bad experience with your competitor. Can you avoid X, Y, and Z? Can you work with gift cards? Can you do buy online, pick up in store? Right. So they like that first level of qualification happens at the SDR level mm-hmm. and then it gets scheduled because things are looking good and they want to know more. And then there's like the big first call on, all right, let's introduce our side of the team. It's usually myself and two other people. So it's three people from our side mm-hmm. and one or two people from the merchant side. Where When does 
price pricing come into play? Like, is the SDR doing any qualification on like, okay, if if you're going to get into this, we, it's going to start at X thousand? Nope. 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 So there's they, there's they just so get many... a feel like they they just have a feel like all right they're they're big enough they're serious enough that like it's they're not going to run away once they hear a dollar sign. Yes, that's right. So so we have information on who we're reaching out to. Right, there are like public estimates, mm-hmm. and let's just, I mean they're rarely accurate, but they're gen like directionally accurate. So if 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 we have info from our databases that the merchant makes forty million dollars a year, it might be twenty, it might be sixty. It's not three hundred, mm-hmm. and it's not zero. So it's like okay, it's in the right ballpark. Mm-hmm. So price doesn't come up until usually like the third conversation. Mm. So it's the first conversation is, does this make any sense? We're going to talk for 30 minutes and then I'm going to understand whether or not I should bring this up to the stakeholders and the people involved. Right. Then the second call is, this sounds great, but is this technically feasible with how we do things? And that's when Rock jumps on the call and their technical people jump on the call. And then it is a technical sales discovery call. And then after that, you get the business track going. Like the ideal path is actually for both tracks to happen at the same time so that on the technical call, if everything sounds good, we try to move forward on the technical front. We say, let's set up a Slack channel. Let's get you the Magento extension so you can install it on your testing environment store and start answering these questions for real instead of just over over a call. And the deeper that can go, the better, more confident we are on the business front. Yeah. Sometimes it's almost like you, you, you're you're working in their test store and everything, even during the sales process. It's like you're you're even starting the onboarding process. Yes. Uh, you're you're moving process, forward. You know? That's right. Yeah. You're moving forward and you're you're gaining confidence and you're exposing them to how our company works. And we have an advantage in that. We are we're good at that. So mm-hmm. that's one of our strengths. So we want we want to expose that as much as possible because people are generally used to working with vendors that they don't like and they find annoying and maybe they're out for themselves. It's just, you know, that's just what happens. Gonna, big, dude, I'm companies. getting like I'm getting like pumped just like hearing you talk about this because like this is right around the corner, diff- totally different types of sales and, and industry, but like I'm getting into sales demos now um, and I have them inbound coming, but I, but I have not figured out the sequence, the sequence and the optimal way to uh, you know, like sell and onboard yet. It's, it's still mm-hmm. been like winging it. And, and like, it, it's just exciting to hear you dial it in. Cause I could, I could see ways where I could like, I know that our listeners probably feel the same way. Like there are nuggets in everything that you're, that you're talking about here that I know I'm going to be applying in my sales process. Um, and and we did up here. I, I look back, we went through the sales process and lost the deal on an amazing merchant, which we would have killed for. And looking back, I am so mad that we didn't know then what we know now, because it's so much better now. And it's not surprising at all that we yeah. lost the deal because we didn't do we didn't do the stuff the right way. Mm-hmm. So we we've hired a, a go-to-market like consultant, and she has she has been the X factor in all of this so that we're not learning all of it by a million mistakes because we don't have the time for that. We're learning it because of her experience. That That is the truth. So all of these individual steps, all these different individual pieces on what to expect and what happens when, and then the dynamic nature of the process. So this week, we had an amazing call, phenomenal prospect, you know, 
can be an even bigger deal than than our biggest so far. But when we got to that technical discovery call, they they put a halt on the technical track and said, no, 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 no Slack channel, no install, no beta. We talk business first, mm. right? So it's it's a slightly less ideal version of the process, but completely understandable, right? I basically don't want my team to go spend time on this and get excited about this. If you're going to come at me with a price that we don't want to deal with. So I need a ballpark from you. I understand you can't give me a perfect proposal because you don't yet know all of the work that you need to do to accommodate our situation technically and the other additional stuff that we will ask you to do that will will make sense for us to pay above and beyond because we need a specific integration. Like yeah. you, you literally cannot give me the right price, but I need a ballpark before we go any further on that track. Yep. Right. And that's almost like an experienced buyer, maybe with some scar tissue mm-hmm. uh, on, on previous uh, experiences. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And and then it's proposal and order form. And then and it's like you, you've got like playbooks for, for each, right? Like it's it's how you know. Yes. Like yes. This is, I, I remember we had we had similar things in, in audience ops, like some like just handling different we had a very standard process overall, but like there were probably two or three different like avatars of like types of clients and the way that they buy, and we handled them yep. a little bit differently each time. Yeah. So now what we're doing is we are shifting all the way to the ground level, right? So like today, before this podcast, I did a call uh, on on HubSpot, on the way our pipeline is set up, because our HubSpot pipeline is set up for what made sense two months ago, which was we have these 30 to 40 opportunities. How do we make sure we know where each one stands? Mm -hmm. And now it's a fraction of that. But they're much bigger and go through a different process. So we have to change that and the data that goes along with each one. And and now it feels like we're ready to hire a professional seller to come into the to the process. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. So it's like these, like you said on your strategy shift, it is not a few weeks. It is months and months and months, but it's got to be done. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, um, it's it's a long game, you know. Uh, it really yeah. is exciting to hear hear these pieces come come together, though. Um, I thought I'd give an update on uh, something I talked about probably a month or two ago. We on the marketing side, we've started to overhaul how we do content, content marketing, SEO driven, and S- there's a much bigger open question about what is. SEO in in the AI world is you know is is Google search even going to be a factor in the future that that's a legitimate question but I still think that like we we st- Google search is still our top channel for us and we okay. are going to continue pushing on that we still get leads clearly searching for Google and finding us um so we're going to keep doing that um and but as I talked about a few weeks ago I feel like it's a little ridiculous to just use the old way of doing things, which is like hire writers, 100% human writers to write articles of several thousand Mm -hmm. words each. Um, We're still producing the same output, but we're now over a month into this and we're we're on the ChatGPT train on this. Okay, okay. Um, Are you actually using ChatGPT for the writing itself? 
A lot of it. Yeah. We, we have published as of today, I think we published seven new articles just in the month of June, um, which is way more than what we, we were only publishing maybe three before that per, per month. If, if we're hiring a writer, plus it's costing us several thousand dollars to do three. Now we have my one marketing assistant. She is driving, um, like I did some upfront keyword research in Ahrefs. We have a long list of, of keywords in a queue. She then has a whole process that is, that just creates the, the brief, um, which, you know, that's not necessarily new. Like typically you would create a brief that you would hand to a writer. So the creation of that brief uses a lot of AI. There's a lot of steps in that. And then we continue the, the process from there, still using AI to take the brief and d- develop out an article. And it's not, uh, I, I, I want to keep repeating this because it's not just like press a button, have the AI write us a whole article. Right. Each article is still taking her, it's still several hours of work for her to, to drive the AI, to, to drive, you know, taking this topic, this outline, these references, going piece by piece. All right, write us a headline. Now write us an intro. Now write us the next section. Now let's edit that. Now let's put a human touch. Let's, let's make sure that we're connecting this back to a key feature in Clarity Flow. Let's interlink these articles. Like that's still the human element, but the, the legwork of churning out two, 3,000 word articles is ChatGPT. And we, and we ran the, the experiment where we hired a writer to write the same article that we also had the AI do and Ooh, brutal. <laughs> I mean it, but like it, it was like abundantly clear that the AI one was actually better, like in terms of quality, like the final result after, after a few hours of working with the AI to get it to where we wanted to, it was just better. It, there was more useful information put together, better, better references because we have our, our in-house marketing person connecting the dots with our product and the use case and the, and the problems. Whereas you hire like an external writer, you know, like they might have the gist of what Clarity Flow does, but like they're not in here every day. They don't know exactly mm-hmm. who, who we are serving and why, you know? So, yeah. Um, and, and so with her spending, like she's dialed it in now. So she's, she's done like seven or eight of these articles, gets a little bit more efficient each time. We've got a really dialed in like process for it. Um, you know, it's from a cost perspective and an efficiency perspective, like we're, we're able to publish at least twice as much from what we were able to do before at a fraction of the cost. And it's just an internal engine that we have up and running now, you know, and if you look at our, you can look at our blog, it's at clarityflow.com slash articles. I mean, it's, I'll put this challenge out there, like roughly half the articles that you see on the homepage of that, of that page are from before written by professional high-end writers and roughly half of them are AI. And I challenge you, I don't think you'll, <laughs> you'll be able to notice which ones are AI, which ones are human. Um, I guess they're all pretty good, you know, uh, yeah, in my, in wow. my opinion. Um, so there, so that's, that's like piece, not like in, in terms of our marketing stack, I feel like that's been like the baseline. Like we should just have SEO driven content going at all times. That's our process for it now. It's all documented. We can even hire more VAs to help with this, but like it's it's going. And and like now, now it's like now I turn to like, all right, what what's next in the stack in in marketing? Like we're 
you know, we're doing stuff with like influencers and webinars and affiliates. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the, that whole thing is still just like cover keywords. We know their search volume for that is good for us. We should have pages for those. Let's keep churning those pages out that that's taken care of. But I, I think that this is more important and that's brand content and mm-hmm. audience. Um, and I think that's becoming way more important now going forward in this, um, in this AI world. Cause like, frankly, I think even the, the SEO stuff is, is becoming a little bit more of a short-term play. Cause I don't know that, that this type of traffic is still going to work the way it does now a year from now or two years from now. So I, I feel like us and most other SaaS companies should be investing more heavily now in brand content. Um, so what I want to get into, I, I haven't had the bandwidth to do it, but I, but I need to, to slot it in soon. It, we're going to start a new podcast where I am interviewing coaches, getting these conversations going. Um, I'm, I'm in conversation with the coaches anyway, just in customer research and stuff. But now we, we need to start to record high quality interviews with coaches, case studies with coaches, stories from how coaches mm-hmm. run, run and grow their businesses get those published as podcasts, as YouTube content, um, social media content, you know, cross link, cross reference, cross quote these things, mix it in with our SEO content. Like that has to be a whole layer of high quality, like just story driven brand content. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, and that's what you mean by brand as a, as compared to like SEO keyword search driven content. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the SEO articles, like, I don't, I don't even care like when they, what hour or what day they come out, like just get them up on the site. We just need to have them. So they can be indexed. Mm-hmm. This is more like, we just need to have interest coaches. And I think that this goes for most SaaS businesses. Your customers are interested in hearing stories from other customers who are just like them. I mean, just think about us. Like we listen to podcasts of other entrepreneurs to hear their entrepreneurial story because that's interested, interesting to us. We identify with them. They're like us. We want to hear that's relevant. It's right. exactly the same thing with, with our customers. I, like coaches want to hear about other coaches, you know, uh, probably e-commerce owners want to hear that about e-commerce like stories, right? Like, um, yeah, that's why it never made sense to me to talk too much about ourselves. The only thing we talk about yourself is, okay, here's a feature and here's what it can do for you. Right. Um, And yeah, maybe now that we feel much more comfortable on the niche that we're targeting, we can then identify the content that that niche in particular wants to hear about. And that's just very, very different from general content on like e-commerce best practices. It's just, there's too much of that out there. Yeah. Because I I do think that like, like, yeah, like we're, we're growing our traffic and, and, and by the way, we're also literally seeing an increase in Google search traffic since we've been publishing this higher volume of articles. So like, that's a good, it's still early, but it, but I am starting to see that uptick in Google search. So like that people have questions about like whether you can publish SEO articles using AI and is it going to impact like in our case, in our niche, we are seeing it. It's, it's starting to work. Um, it's early though, but I think long-term like to really grow the top of 
funnel and the and generally there's the whole reach of of the brand like you got to have i think youtube is going to play a huge part in that too like you can take you know like an hour long interview with a coach release it as a podcast and then release it as like four different 10 minute youtube segments you look at like any popular podcast right like um conan or like uh joe rogan or any of these broken up into dozens of pieces of content like that's how i consume those guys like i actually Mm -hmm. don't even subscribe to their podcast but i i catch a and and if you look at the youtube content like you know it'll be like conan talking to paul mccartney about this one interesting topic that gets me Mm -hmm. to click and i'm going to watch that for 12 minutes on youtube right Right. And that, like the that was story a, he told about John Lennon's glasses. Like that's how yeah, I, oh, yeah. That. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting. I got to hear what he has to say about his glasses. Yes. Right. Like, yep. Yep. And, and, then and that's like one, one fourth of the hour long conversation that they mm-hmm. had. Right. Like, and yep. so th- that's, that's sort of the model that I'm thinking about going forward. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know what time it is for me? It's time to go do a sales call. There you go, buddy. Get it. That's the right way to finish up Friday. Next week I'm out. I'll be at the beach. Hell yeah. No podcast for me. Nice. All right. Good stuff, man. All right. Let's call it a day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Talk to you soon. Later, folks.